wait is over. New tracks, new challenges, a new world championship. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome. To eighty-two of the F one to show. episode seventy-eight. I'm Robin Warner, and I'm Jim I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim yes. Lau. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right here. Right now. The F1 show returns for 2011 bigger, stronger, and ready to broadcast our opinions to the world. And with unrest spreading across the entire Middle East region, the first of the 20 scheduled venues canceled the opening Grand Prix to avoid any interruption to the people of Bahrain and their cause. For the rest of us, two additional agonizing weeks of silence, two additional weeks before we could serenely sniff the aroma of chemically altered hydrocarbons, a potpourri created by the most sophisticated machines in the world, an entire fortnight we sat before we could see our heroes propel the most advanced, aerodynamically sorted, beautiful vehicles in the galaxy. The aliens are scared to invade us because of Formula One technology. Artificial intelligence watches its back because of blown diffusers alone. Young lads and lasses pursue engineering degrees with dreams of becoming the next Adrian Newey, Ross Brock, and to a lesser extent, Michael Gascoigne. In fact, we are all connected by a simple pursuit to create, to break, to fix, and to improve. Every 10-year-old taking a wrench to a bicycle and installing better wheels. Every 18-year-old gearhead cracking his or her knuckles against the firewall of a rusty, multicolored 1992 Honda Prelude S with front-end damage just to remove a little excess weight. Every 80-year-old with a spanner clutched to his arthritic hands just trying to keep that Triumph TR4 running. All of us pay homage to the same racing god, praying to steal every last hundredth of a second from Father Time's grip that we can. So join us, fellow slaves of speed. Cling to your armrests. Lean in on the edge of the couch. Clench your fists in frustration. Yell at the television. Sing with the crowd. Join us. Cheer your favorite driver. Boo his adversary. Calculate strategy. Join us. Be proud that you love speed, that you love precision, that you love, love the fastest sport in the world. Join us for Formula One. This is the F1 Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of the F1 Show for coverage of the 2011 Australian Grand Prix from Albert Park in Melbourne. I'm Robin Warner. We're back. 
And I am Jim Blau. Yes, the wait is finally over. Oh, my gosh. It was a long offseason anyway. It always is. And then with Bahrain being stricken from the calendar, it has been extra long. But we have racing has occurred. F1 racing has occurred finally in 2011. And I am I am super excited about it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And we are finally in the same place at the same time. I mean, that in itself is a minor miracle. Yeah, we've been on different time zones. We've had you know things changed around with our jobs and all that. And yeah. uh, it's but it, but it, we are back. We are here, and I am. It's frankly great to be just you know watching the races again and uh, and doing the proper shows. And uh, I can't wait to get started. Yeah, it's like an old pair of shoes riding a bicycle while you know you never getting on the the. Your first Going to your old street. Klondike bar. Yeah. yeah something. <laughs> okay. So since the last show, um, we have, well, obviously we did a preseason update. Since the last show, let's see, let's see. The entire Middle East crumbled. Uh, tsunami wiped out a country. Robert Kubica was in a terrible Robert, accident. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what hasn't happened since the world's changed on us, sir? Yes. Uh, so it was actually... I think the same day or it was no we we sent out our the the goofiest podcast ever and six hours later Robert Kubica has that massive accident yeah so yeah the timing that was a touch unfortunate it was but I am pleased to report after many surgeries uh and in you know different operations and they've moved him he's in a hospital in Italy and and he's actually uh recovering well I think uh, all the all the doctors and so on involved are pleased with his progress. Progress. It's not clear. Oh, I heard his progress is also doing you know very what? good. It's it's not clear, sort of really, if or when he'll return to racing, uh, let alone to Formula One. But uh, you know what matters really is that is that you know he's doing okay and uh, and and he is he's recovering well. Well, so. I mean he he still has both his hands. I mean that's the first yes good piece of news. Four surgeries later, everything seems to be attached and functioning. And, uh, yeah, his rate of progress is very, very high considering most patients. But, um, you know, I was pretty much expecting that. Uh, race car drivers tend to have a lot of tenacity and, you know, uh, will to heal, and they tend to heal quicker. And then Kubica is definitely a racer's racer. So um, fully expected. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, uh, once summer comes along, I'm sure we're going to start hearing more about uh what the possibilities of him getting back in the car are. I'm sure he wants to do it. I'm sure Renault is going to want him back. Um, but uh, the, the most important thing is that, uh, as you said, he's 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 recovering well and uh, will be, uh, you know, a fully functioning person in the near future. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so as uh, everyone, I'm sure, knows by now, but, uh, it, you know, Nick Heidfeld was replaced, was hired to uh, to cover for Kubica. They talked about possibly Bruno Senna getting the job and so on, but um, you know, it's, it's it's gone to Nick Heidfeld, uh, so he will be filling in for as basically as long as necessary uh, at, uh, at at Lotus Renault GP. You got to make sure to get that right. Right, lots of Lotuses <laughs> and some Renaults. Uh, so, yeah, which is of course a British team. Of course, it would be. So Renault, yeah. Um, so so that happened, and then the other the other major story really. It's now pronounced Renault, by the way. That's one thing. It's ah, it's Renault. Renault. Uh, is that so? Uh, obviously, lots been going on in the Middle East. Uh, that's understatement of the of the year so far. But uh, with all kinds of revolutions and overthrows and so on, and Bahrain is right in the middle of all of it. Uh, and so yeah, they, there was some question early on. Um, you know, that when the I think was a GP two race was canceled there, and they're like, oh, but maybe it'll yeah, be fine GP2 in a couple Asia weeks. Race like or something, yeah. some of the talk at first was like, this will blow over. We'll be fine. Well, in a they month. had until. Uh, m- they had to have well. It was definitely canceled, and they said, "Well, maybe it'll just be postponed." And I think they said they had till the end of March or the end of May even 
to uh, well, first it have was, something yeah. sorted. First, the GP2 race was canceled, but F1 was still maybe. And then it would, then Bernie Ecclestone and, and FOM said, okay, no, we're we're going to leave it up to the local government to decide, which at first I was thinking is kind of a kind of passing the buck. I mean, it's like he didn't want to make the decision uh, or wanted to be able to, to blame the decision of a, of, a, of a race leaving the calendar on someone else. So when I first read that, I was, I was like, you know, that seems like a, you know, kind of a dodgy thing to do. Yeah, I think that was just a matter of him, you know, uh, knowing that they will probably have to cancel it, but not wanting to upset the promoter. You know what I mean? Not, like, not, yeah, not wanting to be, hey, well, Bernie, you canceled this race. So that was a little bit of a weird right. business thing because it's such a touchy issue. And it's, you know, obviously that's not the well, biggest it's thing so the, much, country, the country has to deal with at the time. Yeah, it's so much bigger and, 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 and more important than F1 racing. So that's why it's a little bit silly to trivialize it with, I don't want to be the one making decisions or that, you know. But right. at, at the same time, you know, I think just to, maintain business relations and to not be the one that canceled the rate. That's yeah, and, and what struck me about that was that the headline on FormulaOne.com after that happened was like organizers of the Bahrain Grand Prix cancel the race. Like, you know, they called for the race to be canceled, which is sort of a little bit weird to point blame. It's like, dude, this country is dealing with much bigger issues right, right now. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we uh, as a podcast are concerned that the people of Bahrain um, are, uh, you know, uh, being able are fully able to practice the uh, freedoms and protests that they feel they need to practice. That's that's our concern and nothing else. And by the way, Bahrain was kind of boring. Anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, as you mentioned, originally they were like, oh, it's bo- it's at least postponed, and we'll start the race, they start the season, and in Brazil, and they thought, talked about maybe bringing it back to the calendar at the end, right next to Abu Dhabi and all that. But the logistics of getting all the cars where they need to be all over the world and multiple sets of tools and spares and everything are sort of already being moved around around the world. The idea of rescheduling it, um, even even if it's you know eight months away, is uh, is a bit tricky. And I think now with what else, the other developments that have happened in Bahrain since then, I mean that that race is surely off the calendar for 2011 which brings us to, we'll only have 19 races now it's such right. a short season oh i know it's like barely any racing at all <laughs> but i mean as a quick aside i mean there's at this point i'm not putting any kind of guarantee that we're going to be racing in abu dhabi again uh for this year i mean that's there hasn't been as much news and headlines uh about uh, protests in abu dhabi but hey same region so, uh, you know, That's something, true. To, something to consider. a lot of money that comes into Formula One from the Middle East, though, in, in a variety of sponsorships and ways and all that. And Abu Dhabi is, I think, a lot more of a center of that with that whole Ferrari world and all the investment and all that, that goes on. So that, I think, because with Bahrain leaving, it's like, well, we've still got Abu Dhabi. I think there's it's going to be a much higher threshold of, um, uh, you know, there's... It's, it's, they're going to work harder to keep that one on the calendar, I think. Yeah. Uh, but who knows what will happen between but now yeah, and then. Exactly. In, I mean, consider I mean, consider where we were. I mean, we were things with Tunisia and Egypt. And then uh, we were like, okay, wow, that's really interesting. And then the way things have been going down with Libya, now there's no fly zones. And it's uh, a whole trickier, lot yeah. of politics and some real, some real things are happening. So it's not just a matter. My point is, is that the threshold might be higher, but. The situation might also be <laughs> yes. much more serious as well. So uh, just something to keep in mind. Could be an 18-race calendar, and if India isn't ready by any chance, could be a 17-race calendar. And Which uh, I think will still be enough. Which will probably be just fine. And then we'll have the U.S. Grand Prix next year. It'll, it'll all be okay. But that's okay because the 17 races that will be held for sure are going to have sprinkler systems installed on the tracks. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> 
Yeah, and in the in the we couldn't make this up category, uh, <laughs> that's one of those articles that kind of kind of came and has, has since went because now we've started the season. But um, you know, there's lots of talk about uh, what, you know what makes the show better, how can we improve overtaking, and obviously that's the whole idea behind you know Kurz as part of that and the movable rear wing and all that. Um, and and you know I don't know where these ideas come from, but uh, Bernie Ecclestone has sort of been been saying you know he's been behind it, the idea of having artificial rain at the tracks um, through having sprinklers that would either randomly go off during the race or something like that to Moving say... Moving Bernie one step close, closer to his coveted position of God. Yeah. I affect the weather! Ah, By this push of the button, you are now raining. I, I think it's drastically, drastically stupid. I agree, I, and I think it's, it's been stated better than, uh, than I could by basically saying, like, if that's what we have to resort to to make F1 interesting is, you know, fake rain, then something you know that then there's bigger issues than that you know it's like right. that there's so many other series that are so interesting and, and you know worth watching on different levels yeah um and if if what they're saying by saying we need sprinklers is to say that these are the best engineers in the world the best drivers in the world and all this money and everything and still this racing sucks unless we put out sprinklers right and i i first of all i don't agree with that and second you know i think there's other there's other ways to make things interesting and basically Things are interesting, but you see, know when you look at the, like the end of last year, like it was an interesting race. It never rained. It was fun. So I think I think it's stupid, but for the exact opposite reason as you. Like I don't think Bernie went nearly far enough. Oh, I mean, you've got earth, wind, and fire to play with as well. You know, I say random fireballs. You know, if you get in the earthquake zone at the wrong time, coming at you. Okay. that's what I'm saying. You know, and then like, oh, no, it's a local tornado. Well, that'll certainly hurt Weber's chances as he gets blown towards Kansas or whatever. I mean, let's do it oh, up. No, let's make it exciting. It's on track now. I mean, I guess or, that would get ooh, it could be like up. Death Race. Yeah. It'd be Death Race 2000. Jason Statham could be a part of the F1 World Championship. Oh, ooh, and then the WWF could get involved. All right. So the Bernie thing, I think, is crazy. I think we, we all pretty much agree that you know, yes, wet races are fun when they happen, but let's not resort to doing that on, you know, or having to artificially do that to because on the assumption that dry races are no fun. Let's, A, let's keep things, you know, make the rules and everything so that dry races are fun. Right. And B, not do crazy things to try to artificially change the weather. So what do you think about, you know, what, first of all, is there a problem? And if so, uh, what do you think are some actually realistic solutions to, making overtaking better yes uh there is a problem it is probably harder than it should be to make a pass and the reason is is that you have aerodynamic efficiency coming into play and it gets to a point where if enough of your grip is determined by aerodynamic efficiency and you lose aerodynamic efficiency as you get closer and closer to a car in front of you um then that is a that is a counter counterproductive way to encourage passing. But the key, I think, is to fundamentally change the design of the car to have um, so that they're much less sensitive to aerodynamic efficiency in traffic. So developing developing grip using air underneath the car and developing mechanical grip as opposed to aero grip. Um, just fundamental design of the car is, I think, much more appropriate than, um, you know, than, uh, you know, you know, making all these random adjustments to the race or things like that. And just going to cool tracks that have good, reasonable layouts. You know, these are the type of things that I mean, I, the fact of the matter is 
we look forward to certain tracks because certain tracks always produce great racing. And, you know, the counterpoint to that is some tracks don't, right? So, I mean... Like, I don't think anyone's that excited about coming back to Valencia. Like, oh, I can't wait to see the Valencia race. Exactly. It's just, there's, it, there's a million corners, and it's a parade almost the whole time. It might be more exciting this year with tires that run off more quickly that there's going to be more to the pit stops. But if that's all you've got to look forward right. to, then that's really not an, a, a thrilling race. Plus, I heard they're laying an oil slick at the bridge, and they're going to put a shark tank underneath that, and they're Ooh. calling it the Bridge of Death. Oh, nice. So that should be cool. So, yeah, that is that is a bit of an improvement. So then. what do you, I mean, I, mean, uh, I don't, what do you think? Do you think that, for example, let's let's I'm going to give you a different question in the same kind of tone. Removable Remo- rear wings and Kerr is coming back, but you can only use it for certain seconds on the track, and you know uh, uh, the removable wing rear wing can only be used in certain places only when you're behind people. Are these things good? I think they're. There's a place for them. I feel like, um, and we'll talk about this more in the I think, yeah in the bin. Uh, more you know during the the race report as far as how it actually happened um, because you know now we have seen a race with with Kurs and DRS or Durs as we Durs. call it so we got Kurs and Durs baby uh, I love it when you see Dam using that Durs but I mean there was a, a uh. point a, a point during the race today where you know the the commentary isn't like look at this guy and look at that guy and oh man this wheel to wheel and just the you know man versus man and machines and all that it was like oh he's hitting the curves and then the dirs is going to come into effect in this or they, they don't call it dirs but i do <laughs> you know and then, oh, and then oh it's it's you know it's curves plus dirs versus curves and it, it just got it was like man you remember that remember when f1 just got really really technical that yeah. i mean to to watch it you just needs a much higher level of understanding than just these are really good drivers and really amazing tri- right. cars and driving around this track. So versus it, having the hard tires or the soft tires, or that your tires were in good shape or they were in bad shape, and and that used to be fuel loads. I mean, yeah, there there were levels of technicality, but now it's so many acronyms and like the onboard gauge, which used to show I think just speed, and then they we're like oh speed and g forces, and then it's RPM and speed and g forces and throttle and brake, and now what level of battery do they have, and are they using curves, and now it shows also are they using DRS or not, or are they right. able to use DRS? And are right. they in the DRS zone? It's, I mean, I find it interesting because I, you know, sort of to keep on top of all that. But if you and I are having a hard time just understanding everything that's going the on, the finer points of it, the of of exactly what's, you know, exactly how it's all going to go down, then I've got to imagine that there are so many people out there that are just just look at this and think, wow, that's what a really crazy series. And why do they do that? Right. And then if it were to add sprinklers and things like that, they would go, what is this? this is some kind of Looney Tunes. This isn't racing so much as just some kind of weird show at this point. Right. So uh, I do think, however, I would be in support of one team having access to all that stuff uh, forever and ever. And that's HRT. They could probably use a double dose of durs and curs. Yeah. Um, give them the stickiest tire possible. Didn't even race. Well, we'll get to that. Yes. So, the, you know, HRT in the offseason, they weren't at any of the, the tests in Spain. They apparently did a filming day, you know, as sort of a kind of pseudo pretest, but I don't think even we're able to do that. Uh, so we didn't see this car in the flesh. And, th- and then when they sort of uh, released their car, unveiled it, it was renderings of what their car is going to look like and kind of, you know, and, and even, even the rendering was like rendering by Chuck Johnson at some studio. It was like <laughs> sponsored by whatever. And it's like this rendering was brought to you by whatever. So, you know, they're cash strapped and just trying to get any kind of discount they can. It's like, I'll, I'll tell everyone who, who made my car livery by, you know, trying to save some money here and there. So we didn't see their actual car until uh, this, I think they, they just made it to the last test, but couldn't run at all in, in, in Valencia or Barcelona. Um, but then 
so I was actually a little bit surprised to see their car on track in Australia. And they didn't get on track until Saturday morning. Oh. One car got like four laps, and he was 17 seconds off the pace. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but after USF1, where Peter Windsor promised up and down, oh, no, our car's going to be ready, all these r- rumors that we're not going to be there, that's all rubbish, we're going to be there in Bahrain, and then the whole thing evaporated. Um, you know, I, since we had not seen the car yet or seen a lot of the uh, the usual stuff that we would, I was a little bit concerned that there was just going to be some announcement like, oh, sorry, HRT no longer exists and we, we've lost it. So I was happy to see their cars on track and actually driving. Um, and considering that, that the first time they turned a wheel uh, on, you know, on a racetrack was uh, was really in, in morning warm up before qualifying. Yeah. Um, you know, their performance, I think, was good considering that. But you know, in the grand scheme of things and how they need to fit in in Formula One and, and let alone be successful and, and be a, a sort of a meaningful team, they're right. still way, way off. It's interesting because Formula One has a history of this type of stuff. You know, I, I think back to the Super Aguri team, um, to uh, Midland and Spiker, and, the team that's now Force India. And Minardi was And Minardi for sure. For and yeah. then, uh, oh gosh, I feel like I'm missing one. There's been a couple of really bad uh, really bad backmarkers in the time, and yet there's so many really strong teams, uh, you know, out there. So I don't know. Is a team like HRT being in the series a good thing or a bad thing? Do you know what I mean? Uh, now that they have the 107% rule back, you know, HRT is going to have a tough go. Um, so it's yeah. an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting conundrum. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know where I lie on that. I don't know if teams like HRT are good or bad. And and what that means, just to to clarify on that, is that in Q1, uh, you know, that there's the the fastest time of Q1, which is not the pole position time, but just the fastest time of the first qualifying session. Uh, all all the cars enabled, you know, in order to start the race, have to be within 107 percent of that. And a lot of the laps we look at are actually around a minute and a half in time, just rough numbers. So it's about 100 seconds, uh, which you know, minute and a half would be 90 seconds. So you know, minute 40 uh, is about 107 100 seconds. So you know, it's basically between maybe six to seven seconds off the pace um, is, is all that you can, you know, if you're, if you're slower than that, you just cannot race. Right. Um, and apparently the marshals have some ability to overrule that. Uh, but, you know, it, it just means that I think those, those new teams, yes, they won't be there potentially slowing down or causing problems, you know, for the rest of the cars running, but also it's that much less running time for those teams to actually develop their car and learn things and get better. So it's, in a way, it compounds the problem of a new team because their only track time could be Friday practice, you know, with, with sort of no in-season testing now. Um, their, only, their only track time to, to actually develop and work on the car will be Friday practice uh, and then Saturday morning warm-up and then, um, you know, a, a few laps in Q1 to try to get it to pace. And if they don't make it, then they, they're sort of done. Uh, so it right. may, they may continue to be bad. Although I think it, it probably is better for everyone else because if that means we have uh, 22 cars instead of 24 cars, then then that's okay. If that means we have 12 cars instead of 24, if you know somehow more teams you know fall behind that or whatever, then uh, that's that's a different issue. But I think uh, as it works right now, um, I think it's it 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 sucks for those guys because it's that much harder for them to get better. But I think on the whole, it causes fewer problems in the race in general. Yeah, uh, uh, could be, could be. I'm I'm not convinced that it does. You know, it seems like they were uh, answering a question that no one asked. You know. But uh, I, I don't know. I think the drivers might appreciate it at certain times or certain situations. I think Mark Webber might have asked it after flying through the air, uh, <laughs> coming up behind Kovalainen's car. Although, you know, Lotuses weren't yep. were, were within 107%. Were, yep. They were always within 107%. So, um, 
but getting to this race, and we actually uh, we saw cars on tracks. Um, it was pretty clear, pretty fast, that Red Bull is to be reckoned with. They are, that was not a one-shot yeah, wonder. Yeah, they were sort of solid in preseason testing. Uh, we would see a, you know fastest you know fastest testing laps from Alonso. We'd see the Mercedes up there, and the McLarens actually looked kind of slow in testing. So it was curious to see where they where they set up. But in terms of uh, yeah, Friday practice here, and then and then uh, you know it was I think what uh, Weber at the very end of, of the of the end of Friday practice, you know, every, everyone kind of had their times and things were going, then Weber put in a really good lap and yep. was like, oh, cool, yeah, wow, well, well, Weber, he's got like, you know, five-tenths or something. Um, but then at the end of the Saturday practice session, everyone's going, and then and then Vettel had a time that was like eight-tenths clear of Weber and everybody else. Oh, I know. And yeah. it was sort of like everyone had kind of figured, okay, these are the times, and then Vettel just sets like a way faster time, and it's just everyone's kind of like, oh, boy, uh, these, these Red Bulls really just have it right. again this right. year. And, uh, you know, Vettel repeated that uh, feat in qualifying, you know, setting a blazing fast time. But the second fastest man in qualifying at the end of the day was Lewis Hamilton. Those McLarens were solid. Yes, definitely better than than expected. Um, And and Jensen was up there, too. I mean, it was all McLaren Red Bull front row. No Ferraris to be seen there. Yep. Uh, And and that was, you know, very cool to see. Um, But also, um, and and as we mentioned, so uh, uh, HRT... Uh, did not make the 107% cut, and they actually appealed the decision. And so originally they said, "Oh, you can't race," and they kind of were like, "Oh, but please," and they said, "Nope, you can't race." Yeah. So uh, those those guys were yeah out of their driving suits and and done after after Q1. Um, but uh, Renault in Q Lotus Renault GP in Q1, um, <laughs> their their Q1 results was that uh, Petrov was actually in you know third fastest time of Q1. Yeah. Uh, and Impressive. and Heidfeld was was out. He was in the bottom seven. So uh, that's pretty big disparity especially considering you know quick nick um not being so quick and uh i've uh, no, not even close online he's only fast when he's unemployed uh and so he might have gotten a good long contract for the rest of the year with uh with with renault and so he <laughs> says eh, i can just do my thing yeah i it was definitely disappointing i hope uh that nick can rebound and recover some from that because i do think that he is a solid driver i think that he got a little bit of an unfair shake at bmw sauber um but you know, this performance certainly, his qualifying performance certainly didn't uh, impress anybody. Um, the Sobbers, speaking of them, however, mm-hmm. in the hands of both Kobayashi and uh, the rookie driver of, uh, what's his name again? That piece- it's, it's, it's some expletive. It's some... Uh, All right, Robin, you've got an issue with Sergio <laughs> Perez. I do not... Well, okay. Um, so... We saw that name, and then we saw the impressive qualifying, and uh, we thought, oh, okay, that's cool. And I said, wait, is that is he the Argentine? Uh, no, Jim. Jim says, no, he's a Mexican. I'm like, oh, wait, that name sounds familiar. Um, so I looked up his Wikipedia page for Sergio Perez, and he's, he did, uh, you know, start, he's starting his racing career basically in 2004 at the age of 14. At the age of 14. And his Skip Barber National Championship Series. And all of a sudden, these dots started getting connected <laughs> to Robin's mind. He was like, wait a minute, I raced in the Skip Barber the whole championship in 2004. I raced, and I do believe was quicker than Sergio Perez when he was 14 years old racing in the 2004 Skip Barber National Championship. I have a picture of him as a 14-year-old boy on my computer. Posing in front of his uh, Telmex Formula Dodge RT2000. I was faster than him. Why does he have a Formula One ride and not me? He stole your ride, man. He totally stole my ride. That, that is, is no not good. cool. Telmex, I am not happy. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's funny. I actually know Sergio. Um, uh, when I met him, he did not speak very good English. And uh, so we talked a little bit uh, through 
another one of the drivers that was fluent in both Spanish and English, but he was a nice kid at the time. I'm, I'm sure he's grown up to be a lovely young man, um, and uh, I wish him all the best, but it was funny. So I have, a, I have a picture of Sergio at the age of 14 that I'm going to post up on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook and a fan of the F1 show, you'll be able to see that soon. Yeah, that was funny when we kind of put the dots together on that. Like, what? Well, that's the same Sergio Perez, man. Look at that guy. <laughs> yeah. He. Yeah. So good for him, though. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's. I think it's cool. I mean, obviously, uh, without any U.S. drivers in there, it's sort of geographically, he's our closest kind of our boy to being our local guy. No. Mm-mm. But nope. you, you're nope. not. Mm-mm. He, he, he nope. stole your ride, yeah, so you know, go on that. Yeah, it's not cool. Alrighty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, brilliant job for Petrov to get to get the car. You know. Uh, to, to do a really good, you know, drop in qualifying. Although it, it does make you wonder um, if Petrov is that good in the car, what would Kubitz have been able to do? Yeah, you know, that's that kind of the big question, been, right? Um, so I don't want to take anything away from Vitaly because I think he did a great job. But uh, that whole comparison with Heidfeld is is tough, man. And uh, and and the Sauber is doing well on their on their run. Um, Hamilton, uh, you know, great job to get outside pole. Um, but dude. We gotta have a chat, Lewis. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we should talk with Nicole Scherzinger. Maybe that's the better person to talk to about yeah, this one. Yeah, she hopefully she has some input with this guy. Although obviously not. Hamilton is rocking this. It's not. It's not even a beard. It's it's, <laughs> it's this strangely manicured facial. Like it's a chin strap. It's an outline. It's a. So, he's got a. He's got a jaw outline. So we saw earlier. Yeah, like late last year, he kind of had this little chin scruff, kind of not like little soul patch kind of chin thing. Yeah. And we're like, all right, that's a little bit weird, but you know, whatever. And like Alonzo was doing his like matador, like kind of pointed, whatever. And that oh yeah, fits, super villain. That kind of fits yeah, him. That's absolutely. cool. But dude, Lewis Hamilton has this strange kind of chin strap face outline very like manicured kind of beard thing going and dude that is not working for no you. bad don't I mean, do it he did the earrings like okay and that's like okay whatever you're doing your thing um you know tony Liuzzi always to be always used to be the like you know sideways baseball hat got his earrings like kind of you know yeah outlaw right. whatever yeah. f1 driver but lewis i don't know man it's it's not working for you i don't think buddy maybe it's like the hot european trend that just hasn't made its way to uh the midwest yet here in the united states but it's it's not anything uh, we're feeling. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Also, if I did the chin strap thing, you think I'd be like ahead of my time? <laughs> How cool would that look? I will give you twenty dollars, twenty dollars cash, if you shave your beard and rock a um, I might a rock to, a jaw outline. I might have to do that. I'll have to give Elena twenty two though, won't I? Yeah, she won't like it. <laughs> anyway, but so the class of the field. I mean, Sebastian Vettel just just dominated in qualifying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even Weber in basically the same car just didn't didn't have stuff for him for lack of a better explanation uh and i don't think anyone really does have an explanation for why weber was off the pace um all the interviews with him he's just sort of like i don't know i was pushing really hard and i didn't have it you know vettel just just had it uh of course it's still the first race first qualifying blah 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 it's, you know can't read into this too much but for whatever reason you know vettel has magic in that car that that weber just doesn't right now and uh that's that's a little bit concerning yeah absolutely so let's see how they take all this qualifying into the race. Oh, yes. Here we are. It's time for the race. It happened. Australian Grand Prix. It happened. It was great. It's a good race. Not the most exciting. Like, it was a little bit of a letdown with all that buildup and all that anticipation. Um, part of the reason why it was the most exciting race is Sebastian Vettel just absolutely walked away from the field. Uh, did not have... A bead of sweat on his forehead and uh, just cruise. He said it was not an easy race. That is a lie. It was an easy <laughs> race for him, uh, no doubt. Although Lewis did very well to stay in second 
And I'd say the result of the race was Vitaly Petrov. Podium, third place for yeah. the Renault driver. And the Sauber drivers actually both doing well with uh, Perez uh, originally finishing. Was it yeah, seventh? but then they got disqualified. Oh, Perez. They did get disqualified oh. for kind of a technical. Maybe that's because he stole my ride. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe oh shouldn't boy. have done this that. This isn't going to end, is it? <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I mean, there's an easy way to fix this. Just to, yeah, just, just go ahead and swap <laughs> seats, and you'll be okay. It'll be okay. Um, so yeah, the, so the sober disqualification, just because that is actually kind of a big story, um, is that there's a technicality with kind of where the rear wing, I think it's like rear wing supports should be, and, and kind of how some panels have to be, and, and it's the technical description is, has all the you know millimeter measurements of, according to the reference plane and right. according to how from the center of the vehicle right. and all whatever that. a millimeter is but some, <laughs> some. that's not part of it that's confusing <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness um but uh it's i think it's been pretty well analyzed there's not a performance gain so that's not really a cheater thing it's just sort of like okay we they either kind of messed up on the regulation or part of it wasn't quite clear for uh, how they needed to do it uh so they've appealed that result saying hey we didn't gain anything from having this is not like some kind of tricky oh it's got a turbo on there and it's not supposed to have that <laughs> it's got a rear wing turbo yeah which would be sweet that actually would be kind of cool um but uh so they've appealed that, but as as it stands right now, the Saubers actually were disqualified. But yeah, I mean, it was really Vettel's day, um, and we didn't actually see him hardly at all during the race because he was just kind of out in front the whole time. Uh, yeah. He did cycle back during during pits, but then without with as many pit stops as happened, um, you know, went back to the went back to the front. Uh, he ended up doing a two stop strategy, which is not that crazy. I mean, yeah. people were talking which about oh, going to be five stops, which wasn't even the in- initial intention, right? You know, he. He he. Uh, they were didn't expect to do such a long stint yeah. in the first time around. And uh, Fernando Alonso finished fourth, so that was four different makes in the top four. We had the Red Bull Racing Renault, we had the McLaren Mercedes, we had the Renault Lotus GP Lotus team racer, Renault. yeah, and then we had the Ferrari. So um, uh, very cool to see that result, and um, hopefully we'll be able to see more of that, and especially if. If uh, Mercedes can ramp it up a notch and actually finish the race, maybe have five makes in the top five or six positions would be a lot of fun and incredibly impressive. Um, We just hope. I mean, it was just kind of depressing almost to see. Everyone knew Red Bull was going to be fast, but to see just how fast they were. They didn't have Kurs on the car. Just wasn't there. And they had zero problems passing people. They had no problems just going around. You know, Mark Webber didn't have the best day, but um, I think at least with just one race in, we can take it on faith that something was wrong with the car or something was wrong with him that was an anomaly and that uh, the Vettel's uh, performance is a lot more representative of the vehicle's performance, which should be making every single engineer outside of Milton Keys sweating bullets. Yeah, it's uh, it was it's definitely a tough day for Weber. I mean, everyone's talked about how he's he's always had bad luck, and I don't know if it was that. I mean, it wasn't like something necessarily just kind of happened to him. But even in qualifying, he said, "I'm just not as fast. I don't know why." In the race, he just said he was harder on the tires, um, which is not. I mean, obviously, he's had some crazy long stints and been able to manage tires. So, yeah, maybe something was off with the car. And they, and then and Red Bull, of course, have said they're going to take a take a massive look at it before Malaysia. So I don't know if one of Vettel's engineers got in there and just tweaked some settings on Weber's <laughs> car. They just made it all terrible or what. But uh, it was it was not a good day for him. And actually, after the checkered flag, he just pulled off immediately and stopped in the end of the in the end of the yeah, exit. Yeah, and, and there, we still not found any explanation for that other than the best theory is that he was just so frustrated he wanted out of the car. But that just seems. It's like, I don't want to drive around in front of my home fans. I've right. disappointed myself and but blah, that blah, just, blah. But that, that just screams lame to me. Yeah. 
I can see maybe Alonzo doing that. <laughs> but yeah, Weber usually, you know, cool headed and all that. Uh, so that that was a little bit peculiar, which also seems like, you know, if something something were way wrong with the car, then, you know, that wasn't an obvious uh, failure, but just something is like, hey, this car is not, not really good. But yeah, he just parked it at the end of the pit wall there and uh, yeah. just kind of got out. And smoke did start pouring out of the front wheels, but I think that was simply because the rotors didn't cool. He was pretty hard on the brakes, then he came to a stop, so mm-hmm. the rotors started smoking. I, I, I mean... Or it could have been the brake linings as well. But it's something the brake system started smoking. But I don't think that was because there was a problem with them. It was just that he'd stopped right away and they didn't get a chance to cool off. Yeah. And uh, actually, so behind him in the results in fifth place was, uh, or Mark Webber was in fifth. Behind him in sixth was Jensen Button. Yes. Um, who had a pretty pretty good, you know, some good dicing and, and fighting with, with Felipe Massa. He was the source of the most exciting racing I would say. Yeah, and what ended up, and it's a little, you know, depending on how you say it, is kind of whose side you're on, I guess, in a way, but um, where he was either left with no place to go during a battle with Felipe Massa or was trying to make a really opportunistic move and couldn't make it stick and had to basically uh, shortcut a corner, not really sort of a chicane, I guess, but uh, had to shortcut a corner uh, and and didn't then give the position back because normally, okay, if you have to, if you're forced a straight line of chicane, then you just let the guy back around and everything's okay. But the way it went down was that Alonzo was right behind Massa and, uh, and, and then, and then Jensen Button was basically between them kind of dove down the inside or said, you know, he said he wasn't trying to make a move at that point, but just kind of was left with nowhere to go. But from looking at it, it didn't really look like it unfolded that way. No, that that can't be the case. I mean, I'm a Jensen Button fan, so I know I have that bias built into every thought I have about this. But I have to say that um, I do think that he was even with, I think he was even with Maza, Masa approaching the corner, uh, and Masa probably was more aggressive than um, proper etiquette would suggest you do um, in a corner. But nothing, we've definitely seen worse. Yeah, that has not been penalized. So. I don't think you can blame Massa too much for being as aggressive as he was. No, and I don't think and, Massa needs a penalty for what happened. But right. But so, but so the question is, if if that move wasn't more aggressive than other things that have been seen, then Button can't say that it was either to do what he did or to you know or to you know fall off the track. So going on to the runoff area, no problem. I don't see an issue with that as long. But you got to let Massa buy again. Right. But what. What then happened immediately after that is that Fernando Alonso got in front of Massa yeah. so that there would be no way for and even if even if he hadn't done that, I mean it was just a few seconds and then and then Alonso had no problem getting around Massa, so uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um even if he hadn't done that, I think Alonso would have taken the opportunity of Jensen slowing down even just a little bit to let Massa by and Alonso probably would have found a way by. But, you know, a few seconds later, Alonso was in front of Massa. So there would be physically no way for Jensen Button to let Massa by without also letting Alonso by. Correct. And I think that's why uh, he he didn't want to just do that. I mean, he didn't want to give up two spots. If really, for the penalty, he should have only given up one if he felt there was a penalty necessary. Uh, he says he didn't think a penalty would have been necessary, so he thought he was kind of in the right to stay going. I think he should have let the, let Massa by, but right. then... I mean, he ended up hurting himself more so it was, at the end of the day. I mean, right or wrong. So it was crafty, you know, gamesmanship or, you know, a good job to take advantage of the situation by Ferrari to put Alonso in that situation. So it's sort of lose-lose for Jensen once he made that move. Right. He either lets two guys by or ends up getting a drive-through penalty, which is what he did and what he served. Um, and uh, it was actually pointed out that uh, if he, if he took, you know, add the 20 sec or, you know, take back the 20 seconds that he, that he lost by the uh, drive-through penalty, he would have come third in the results. I mean, of course, who knows how it exactly would have played out. Sure. But, you know, he was not that far out of the uh, uh, you know out of the situation to uh, to be a player at the end of the race there right and I will say that Jensen's performance in qualifying we're backstepping a little bit um, 
wasn't he was not as quick as Hamilton, but it was solid. He was putting in some good times. He was making improvements. Because the thing that happened with Button a lot last year is he would put in a pretty good time early, and then that time wouldn't improve. I saw this time around in qualifying that Jensen was doing well to um, make some good, solid improvements throughout the different qualifying sessions and uh, to seem to be making uh, you know, a better effort towards kind of qualifying that uh, you need to be on pole. But, you know, again, they're, they're going to have an uphill road with uh, the Red Bulls being as strong as they are. I'm very keen to see in the next, uh, probably won't get too much in Malaysia and China, but uh, the fourth race on the grid, which is escaping me at the moment, um, is going to be really cool to see what kind of updates we get. Yeah, it's Turkey. Turkey is the fourth race. That's you know early May, uh, and then Spain right after that, where they're sort of properly back in Europe and, right, and have right. lots of updates and all that. Yeah. So I mean, so the the Red Bull car. I mean, it's it's untouchable. Uh, it seems that way anyway. I mean, you know, maybe Mercedes just had really really bad luck. You know, they had double disqual or no, double uh, DNF this weekend uh, with I think some uh, a puncture for Michael. He had issues on the right rear of the car was was gone, and I think that messed with the suspension, and he had to retire and so on. Um, but uh, you know, so there's an interesting uh, article actually. Andrew Benson on uh, on F1 from the BBC um, was talking about how this, you know, what this immediately starts reminding us of. Um, you know, what first happened in my mind was like, okay, is this going to be like either Jensen Button and Braun when they just got the formula right with double diffuser and no curves uh, in 08, or uh, or will this be just like um, you know Michael Schumacher in in early 2000s where it's just kind of dominant and no longer fun. It's like, oh well, Vettel's winning again. Oh, of course, because it's Vettel. Right. Right. Um, and, and what what uh, what Andrew Benson mentioned was, you know, it's just like you know Jacques Villeneuve uh, when when he just had the dominant car in 1997. And uh, what's interesting about that is the common denominator, as he says, um, was Adrian Newey, um, who was then their, ch- you know, Williams' chief designer for that car. Um, he was never for Ferrari, though. No, for for Williams. Okay. For the for the FW17, the Jacques Villeneuve car that was so dominant and yep. ended up with a guy like Jacques Villeneuve being able to be a world champion. Yeah. Um, and he says, uh, like the like the FW17, the Red Bull RB7. For those that don't know who Jacques Villeneuve is, he is a country folk singer that uh, occasionally races cars. Yeah, he's Frenchy Canadian. Um, <laughs> and he said, okay, the, the Red Bull is the, the RB7, this year's Red Bull, is a third iteration of a car design concept, and that's sort of Newey's thing. He says it does not always nail the key to unlocking a set of regulations, but when he does, as he has with this generation of Red Bulls, he just keeps chipping away, refining the concept, and others find it very difficult to catch up. So it's kind of an interesting parallel of yeah. of getting the formula, you know, reworking it, and obviously the Red Bull was successful last year, not heads and shoulders above everyone, but was able, you know, had reliability issues, and he ended up, you know, Vettel, obviously the, the championship was really down to the wire, as close as it can be, uh, but, you know, the third generation of the car, and so if it's like, you know, even the Jacques Villeneuve, the FW17 in 1997, the championship still went down to the last round. I mean, it's not like it was just, you know, walked away from, but it allows... Uh, in, in that case, what we think is sort of a not the superior driving talent of the day in the hands of Jacques Villeneuve to end up winning the world championship. And now we do have arguably the superior driving champion, you know, driving cha- yeah. uh, skill of the day in Sebastian Vettel, along with a car that's just really, really well sorted out. Yeah. Uh, that uh, this could be just a really, really potent combination. And we could end up, you know, like a sort of a Schumacher level success of right. just this car and this driver just and the team around him just really coming together to, right. to be successful. But we're both happy to report that that is not the case yet. And we can all hope that that won't be the case. And I do think that unlike unlike the, uh, the Ferrari um, uh, powerhouse years when um, Schumacher was running things is that there's more teams with more equal budgets to really come after Red Bull and try to um, 
dethrone them. So I think I think we have some good racing ahead of us yet, and um, some some real interesting because uh, there's some concepts. You know, the uh, Renault uh, front facing exhaust um, seems to be working quite effectively. Um, and Petrov, as he gets a podium, finishes a race, starts to build confidence, starts to get more comfortable. I mean, you could see. I mean, he was essentially starstruck yeah. on the podium today. <laughs> yeah, quite <laughs> literally on the podium and then the interview. It's yeah. like, I don't know where to look. There's so much <laughs> exactly. going on. So, yeah. uh, I think as he gets more confident, we could see even more speed from him. Mm-hmm. And if Renault can keep developing that system. So what systems are people going to try to steal from other teams? You know what I mean? Like, wow, let's try the Renault concept, stuff like that. The other thing, too, like McLaren had a really fancy trick exhaust system they had on the car. It wasn't doing that. They scrapped it, Mm -hmm. and that's what brought them back to be able to run a little bit more effectively. Well, if they have time to sort that out and throw it on the car and make it effective, you know, could that come into play? So uh, I'm still hopeful that there's a lot of things that could come in and open things up. Plus, um, you know, how are these different tires the Pirelli tires are definitely different than the Bridgestones how are they going to play at the different tracks as we go around like for example uh, when we do get to Turkey and they have that quad apex super fast you know 270 degree hairpin at 160 miles an hour you know how are the Pirellis going to hold up to a corner like that lap after lap after lap and in the hands of different drivers different driving styles so on and so forth you know so there's still a lot of um, open-ended unseen things that can still uh, keep it from being the boring dominant. Well, there, there definitely can be. So on the on the tires, because that's a big thing we haven't talked about a whole lot yet. So we've got all new tires. Actually, um, they're all about the same size. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> there, there's, My puns is not appreciated by Jim. I I had a such a good thought, and then you you messed with my rhythm, and now I have no good thought. No, it's um. So the the U.S. commentators were saying, oh, these these hard Pirellis really aren't up to the job, or they're not doing their thing. Uh, because obviously the soft one is the one to have. But I think that means they're exactly doing their yeah, job. Because that's what that, we want. We've talked about this in the past. When the difference between the, you know, a soft and a super soft or a medium and a, and a soft and all that, in the past the difference has been so little that there have been you know, guys on hards that have been able to make you know, really amazing passes around a guy on soft tires. Yeah. And sometimes you know, the newness of the tire, and, and back then it was fuel loads and stuff, was, in, was a factor as well. But we said there wasn't enough difference between the hard and soft tire to really make a difference, uh, a, a meaningful difference in the racing where you know, a mid-pack car, on soft tires could maybe get around a front-level car on hard tires. Yeah. So the fact that the hard tires aren't the one to have means there's a difference, and I think that means I think we agree on that. Absolutely. That, that that's that's ultimately a good thing. So I think there were you know we heard we heard talks in the preseason after testing and various things about how oh we're going to see five stop races and this is you know and, and some of the top guys are saying oh this is going to throw everything out of order it's going to be stupid because you know you know we're not going to win a race even if we have the fastest car just because of the pit stops and arguably that's part of what's interesting and fun about it right but i mean all that says to me is like improve your pit stops then right and and but basically i mean if red bull has the pace that they have they have nothing to be concerned about um and and Actually, and even today, um, Sergio Perez ended up doing a one-stop strategy, and it paid off for him. He was able to, you know, get points and well, until he was disqualified, but able to finish, uh, you know, finish seventh in his debut running in Formula One. Yeah, you know, it's he's amazing an, when you can get away with when you steal things. He's just an amazing talent to really just come from from back in 2004 during the Skip Barber series, <laughs> just to Formula One, just the name of it, Formula One. Just sorry. Um, I heard he's uh, I heard he's on uh, uh, stimulants. Yeah, let's let's start some rumors about that. That'll be good. That'll get you into back into racing. All I all I'm saying is I know he's good friends with Barry Bonds. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so there's there's the tire aspect of it, which I think is actually working out working out well. You know, we've only seen one race so far in, in the qualifying and all that. Um, so the other the other part of it is the curves. Um, after and Red Bull actually was sort of coy about this. Um, uh, after qualifying, um, they said, "No, we didn't use curves in qualifying. You know, we're just we're looking at some options, uh, but we're not going to talk about what we're going to do for the race." And you know, never really talked about exactly what their strategy was. That led people to believe, and I'm not sure where exactly this rumor got started, but sort of their reports indicate kind of one of these vague, like someone somewhere thinks that right. they have a special a, a system that's designed. Someone had a talking dog, and it barked out that right. Well, that they would have curves that would have good battery storage capability, but not actually good regeneration capability so that on the outlap or sort of as they leave the pit as they leave the garage the battery could be fully charged and work basically at the start of the race uh-huh. and then not actually really be able to generate a useful amount of power so it wouldn't work through the rest of the race so they wouldn't use curves in the traditional sense but some kind of a start only system um, and Red Bull sort of you know and Christian Horner was always just trying to no, no you know you have to see yeah. what happens just let race. that rumor be what it was um, which I mean if you think about it practically is stupid because why would you carry an extra 80 pounds worth of stuff if it's only good for the first lap, I mean, yes, the start of the race is the most important part, but boy, that seems like a, a pretty, if you look at the math, the, I don't think the math would add up in terms of performance gain and then performance lost. Yeah, and, and so they, you know, went sort of basically said, oh yeah, I just have to see what happens, and, and as it you know, as it was later revealed, uh, they didn't use cars at all during the race. Uh, they just they during they had issues with it on Friday. It was kind of, you know causing reliability concerns and decided not to use it for Saturday and Sunday. It was interesting how they ended up doing you know the kind of the PR angle on it. Um, but that's the other question that you kind of wonder as far as people imitating whether it's a forward-facing exhaust. Are other teams going to look at that and think, man, we spent all this time and money on Kurs and the fastest cars out there don't use it, which is also what we saw two years ago, by yeah. the way. I mean, mm-hmm. Ferrari, McLaren. And that being said, the only cars that didn't use it that were the, among the fastest were the Red Bulls. Right, but they were so much faster. <laughs> you know, it's 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 <laughs> right. a, kind of a tricky thing. Um, and so, and, you know, apparently Adrian Newey being such the sort of aerodynamic genius and all that, sort of, I think, believes in aerodynamics and knows aerodynamics, obviously, and doesn't have quite the faith in curves and doesn't quite doesn't want to, you know, sacrifice his aerodynamic and just general car design for curves. So I think that's why they've been having issues implementing it is they've yeah. got such a vision and but such a But they do focus. have it. I mean, Vettel did use it on Friday, so it's not like they purposely didn't no, it's develop not, it. it's not like they can't develop it or can't make right. it work, but I think the car wasn't designed around it right. so much as other cars probably sure. were. Sure, uh, So, which raises the question is, are they just missing out on that, you know, obviously they're missing out on the, the extra 80 horsepower, um, but, uh, you know, will their car be even faster once they get curves sorted out, or is it actually, you know, because of where they can play around with ballast and not having the weight of it if they are actually are, uh, you know, are, are doing better because of it? So, that remains to be seen. And then so, but theoretically, they were saying that curves should be worth two to three tenths. So um, you I know, read as much as a second. I think that's crazy. I think that's but wrong. But one point one seconds faster. It's like yeah. Oh, I I, 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 I I've heard from a couple of different uh, uh, engineering team principals they were expecting two to three tenths out of curves um, because the difference from now and two years ago was they increased the minimum weight of the car so that the weight penalty of curves wasn't the same as it was before. Mm-hmm. So. Um, before, the Kurs system basically put people right up on the minimum weight, so they couldn't play around with any ballast. They've increased it by like 30 kilos or 40 kilos or something like that, so they can then still have ballast to move around so that the Kurs system itself yeah. doesn't limit them as much. Um, the thing about Kurs that I don't like is it's still it, it's so uh, uh, disingenuous it's and artificially fake. artificially controlled. Yeah, so. because the you know they use it, they run out their little battery symbol, and then... They cross the start-finish line, and it's instantly full charge again. Well, I've driven lots of hybrids, and that's not how they work. So 
I would be much more keen to see a real, you know, real battery discharge, real battery charge kind of... Not a state of how much occurs are you allowed to use on this lap, but actually how effective are you at regenerating, you know, capturing energy from braking. Right. And if it isn't that, then I'm much more on the Red Bull camp of why bother with it at all, you know, but... And so well, what we saw today, so a combination of the, the uh, drag reduction system, dra- you know, movable rear wing. The DERS! The DERS! And the curves <laughs> is that people would just, you know, and basically in Australia, we only had the one front straight was really the only spot you could, you know, make good use of. It was the only spot you were allowed to use DERS and, and make good use of curves. And so people were using curves defensively, <laughs> which was, yeah, that's a serious statement. In 2011 F1, that's how, that, that's how it goes. That's so funny. Well, hopefully we're not talking about sprinklers. And if you take the curves, you have the DERS, but then your DERS is working, you have the curves still, and then you defend with the curves, but then you're de- you know offending with the curves and the DERS. What happens, Jim? Well, go for it. it. It minimizes the impact of the DERS. <laughs> That's what we saw with with uh, with Jensen and Massa. You know, when they, they were, you know, Jensen Button was fighting to get around. He was obviously yeah. quicker than Massa, but just couldn't get around him. And and Massa would save up his curves the whole lap around because yeah. he could, you know, just keep keep enough pace to do that. And then on that front straight, as soon as Jensen had the ability to open up that rear wing, get some extra top speed, you know, the Ferrari would just keep pulling away at about the same speed yeah. uh, because he could then he had all this stored up energy. He could get his eighty horsepower right. and do it back. So, but what was funny too is that when it did work, wow, it was cool because. If someone if someone had both the drag reduction system and the kinetic energy recovery system operating at the same time, versus someone that uh, Just didn't hit curves, they didn't yeah. have the drag reduction because they weren't they were defending the position not mm-hmm. taking one and they were out of curves the speed delta was huge I mean they rocketed by people so you could see that the, the system was functioning but did it really serve its purpose? Well, not very well in Australia. But a lot of the drivers said, "Uh, oh, Australia is not the best place to really judge this thing anyway." But it just it just seems like a bunch of band-aids, a bunch of kit that really doesn't solve any fundamental problems and just in many ways adds just like you said, I thought confusion for um people if you're trying to draw in people to the sport, this isn't the way to do it. Yeah. Come watch F1. There's Durs and Curse. And and this guy's curse. hitting one, and this guy's got both. And look at it's faster. Although we have seen big approach speeds and and some sweet end of straight passes in previous years too. So occasionally, one guy just having a a bobble on the exit of the last corner before the straight, you know, that can end up with a really cool pass and uh, you know diving down into turn one and making it all work. So it's not. It, it's a little bit tough to see exactly how much how much is Curse and Durs. Yeah. And I still can't just, say that. Just seriously. the tire. I mean, if if someone's on a hard tire that's worn out. Versus a soft tire that's fresh, the exit speed alone could be exit speed and draft mm-hmm. could result in just like you say some pretty big speed deltas. So yeah, there's a lot to be seen. Um, so very excited to have the season back. Very excited to be back with you guys um, and doing the show again. We hope that we can make this year's show better than last year and uh, keep improving. Um, yeah, overall, but I'd this have to race say, this, was this was the best race of the season. I think so far <laughs> it is just race of the year, 2011. I gotta call it. I, you know, I was gonna say something else, but I, I have to agree with you. That is a very true statement. I can't deny that at all. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it's cool. It's Australia. It's 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 a you know lot less of a tedious race than Bahrain. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like amazing. It but definitely it, went you know, by quickly. Yeah, and uh, you know, Bahrain just had all those extra little stupid corners, and it you know just so little passing and just no exciting drama to it usually so yeah i think for for a season opener it's solid but we've got a lot to look forward to and i think actually you know curs and durs on malaysia with the two really long straights right at start finish and right before that what about curs and durs on china or (laughs) curs and durs in turkey this is ridiculous (laughs) anyway i think we've spoken plenty 
Yes, let's hear from our listeners. Yeah, actually, for this show, listener feedback is kind of like drinking from a fire hose because it's been two months. So many things have happened from so many different angles. Um, you know, responses to our last show. Our last show was a goofy, weird one anyway. Yeah, yeah. and so it, there's almost too much stuff. So we're not going to do the kind of usual, oh, we're going to read your comments and stuff like that. Um, we had a ton of fun putting, uh, describing Pete Driver's personalities with music. Uh, we had an absolute blast with that. Um, the timing of it was a little bit unfortunate, but uh, a, a lot of people seemed to like it and have their own ideas. We had a lot of great ideas. Um, uh, uh Old man, look at my life for um, for, for Rubens, Rubens was <laughs> one of my favorites um, by Neil Young and uh, uh, many others like that. Um, so I think you you might see little snippets of that uh, segment come come back here and then. Uh, but uh, also, the Facebook page has been very alive throughout the off season. Uh, the controversy with going on with whether Bahrain was going to run or not, just talking about testing, all the things. Uh, the Facebook page has really become completely organic, and it's been fantastic for us. We're just uh, really thankful to have such great fans that are uh, active participants and uh, so deeply appreciate it. So uh, as opposed to reading a lot of people's specific comments, uh, I think more in general we just want to say thank you. It's great, and uh, we'll definitely get more into the groove once the season gets going. Yeah, it's been a little bit out of the ordinary, crazy busy for us, but uh, I hope to be able to, to get in there and answer some more questions for people uh, and and get all that stuff going. Uh, so we, we definitely appreciate the quality of all the responses and everything we get, and it's also good to see quantity. Uh, right now, we've got <laughs> yeah, 875 fans on Facebook. We are. We, I really would love to see that in in, in four digits and you know get over a thousand peeps on, absolutely. on Facebook. So, absolutely. Uh, tell your friends. We appreciate it. It's all part of the social network and, and anyone who's into racing um, whether they're a super f1 fan or not hopefully they can uh, they can enjoy our show and, right. and learn from it and uh, and go there and then then they'll be telling you interesting facts about f1 Absolutely. in the future and, and that'll all be great so. and also i mean jim and i have been relying on facebook more and more we've been using it as a medium to ask our fans questions you know uh, we asked people what they wanted to hear from us and um you know one of the things that came up for example is you know people one of the things that was pretty consistent was how crazy Bernie's idea with for the sprinklers were and, and so you know we specifically made sure to point that out on the show because you know people on Facebook wanted it so uh, we're going to lean on Facebook more and more to ask you guys what you want from us and so if you're not a part of the Facebook page you're not a fan um, but you want you want more out of the F1 show you know get on Facebook become a fan of the F1 show and uh, you will get more out of uh, the F1 show. Indeed. We're here for you. We really are, and uh, and we're here because of you. Because obviously, if we're just talking to each other, uh, we would probably do that anyway. But we wouldn't have <laughs> we wouldn't have mu- music and the whole and the microphones and the whole thing. It's it's a whole different deal. So uh, it's it's always you know great to hear back from uh, from people that like to hear what we're doing. Or if you think it's rubbish, then let us know then too, and maybe yeah, we can. We want to know that just you. as well. And if you do happen to like us, do not forget that we are on iTunes and some feedback and reviews on iTunes. Five stars are a great number. Um, <laughs> That's always helpful as well. You know, we love growing the show because we're, uh, you know, we're totally egotistic. We love, <laughs> we love attention. Pay attention to us. And if we actually grow the show enough where we can actually, you know, not just lose money on the whole thing, maybe we can afford some microphones that will be a little <laughs> bit more reliable. Um, I hope that you're hearing this because I hope it's recording right now. But we're not. Hello. Hello, anybody. We're not in, a, in an amazingly high tech studio at the moment, so uh, we'll. 
we'll, we'll leave that at that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I will actually be responding to a couple of comments uh, right on the right on the Facebook page or right on our F1 show page. Um, as, you know, so it's just f1show.com. Uh, every episode that we post there, you can reply, you can see comments on there and, and reply right there. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you can follow us on Twitter at we are at the F1 show and uh, ask us questions there. And uh, you know. When there's races that are a little bit closer to our time zone, uh, we'll do some live stuff during the race. Australia is kind of way off for us. I think it starts at 2 o'clock in the morning and it goes on from there. I think everyone's probably grateful that we don't watch that one live and then do a podcast starting at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, because we would be loopy and yeah. useless and not really. More loopy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, thanks again uh, to, to everyone doing that. And uh, I'll, I'll also be uh, hopping in the comments there to uh, reply to a couple of you guys uh, one-on-one. And we'll go from there. Trivia, 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 trivia. So we're back. It's 2011. We're trying to improve the show in every way we possibly can. And that means leaving the trivia song because what a great song that is. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. That's brilliant. We I mean, tried changing it once. It was like new Coke. It was just not good. We went back to the old one and we are good. Now that we've seen the success, the success of um, what's her name? Melissa Black, Michelle, Rebecca Black. That's the one. Yeah. We're going to we're, we're maybe going to go to the studio, see what we can get. <laughs> anyway, um, but one thing I think we got some we've got some we've done a little research as it's called and we've got some cool questions coming your way. Yeah. So uh, right now as far as you know, there's obviously all the on track action. One thing we haven't really talked about lately is the lawsuit between Lotus and Lotus for lack of going into more detail. And Lotus. Oh I think Lotus is involved there too. Yeah. But you know, it's uh who owns the rights to the racing and are the guys doing the racing impeding on the guys that do the road cars and are the road car guys using the right name and who should be called Lotus well, what? The and very fact that it's not all the same company in the first place yeah. is just the beginning of the whole mess. It, so it's it's all a bit complicated. We've talked about it a little bit in, in the past and uh, are probably mangling the situation as it is now. But um which which you know, led me to the question of so we've you know, there's there's one side of one sort of branch off this tree. I mean, originally all started as the same thing. Um, and uh, and and one has been the, the rights to call a race team Lotus, um, and then and then which is now and then and then there's Lotus Cars, the actual company that builds cars that have Lotus badges on them, which uh, is owned by a Malaysian company, right? Proton. So, which raises the question of of who has owned Lotus Cars because it's actually had an interesting past in itself. So it started out again as the race team, right? And then then they started making road cars, and uh, so so it's you know what. What companies, you know, whose whose hands have changed into? Because now, like we mentioned, it's uh, it's owned by a Malaysian company. But where has it been since then, and who right. they buy it from? It's kind of an interesting story. And and the one hint we'll give you, and I think everyone pretty much knows this, is it's not the same as Lotus Racing. Right. Because if it were, then it would be a really strange lawsuit of <laughs> one company suing itself. But yeah, it's it's an interesting story, and uh, we'll we'll be back. We didn't have a trivia question last time, but uh, we'll be back next week with the answer to this and a new question for everyone. And on it will go. Absolutely. So longtime listeners of the show will remember that Brendan James Cronk is our number one fan ever. By a long shot. Because he sent us some autographed memorabilia. He sent us a piece of an F1 car. We're yes. not sure what piece and of what car. Doesn't matter. But it's cool. And he sent it to us from Australia, which is like way far away and Ways probably not up. cheap. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. So... So Brendan James Cronk has been number one fan, although he has new competition. 
does he? Which brings us to we are at the predictions part of our show, and I've got to say our 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 new I don't know if he's number one, but he's he's definitely getting, he's working hard. He's tied, I think. At he's this point. working hard. But Neil Popham from the from the UK, um, I think he's from the UK. From uh, the UK. He's going to be really sad if he's Australian. And I, said he's I, I don't think, no, I'm pretty sure he's uh, UK. Yeah, because he was Let's away when I that. emailed him, so I don't think he's on Australia time. Um, has has devised, uh, he's basically uh, written a program to take what we have done over the past year and some in predictions of, of predicting what's going to happen for the next race and comparing how our predictions fared between the two of us against some of our fans, as well as a simple statistical model, which has always said whoever won the last race will be on pole for this race and then go on to win it. No. The, the, we talked about doing that, but that's not how it works. No, the, the statistical model is who uh, whoever was on pole last race okay. will be on pole this race. Whoever was on, uh, won the race will win the next race. Isn't that more of a heuristic model than a statistical model? It is heuristic. Okay. Yes. Anyway... What we've been doing that by hand and kind of in a spreadsheet and all that, and and we have had the advantage of picking a particular fan to you know picking whose predictions we'll use. Um, Neil Popham has written a Facebook application actually to make to automate all that, and I make it a lot more fair because if anyone else actually has much better predictions than us, then they will get credit for that. So it's not as fully fleshed out as a fantasy F1 league, and if there's people that want to do that, then that's that's great, and we might even get into that realm as well. But the idea here is. Uh, to keep track of everything that's going on. And so this will be right on our Facebook page. It's not there quite yet, but uh, hopefully it will be very soon, and we'll have a chance to actually go on there and make predictions for Malaysia and for the rest of the season and keep track of who's doing well and who owes whom how many Cokes. Yes, and for the time being, uh, we are going to, uh, we are going to, of course, use the uh, Neil's uh, system ourselves, but uh, we are also uh, going to continue our own thing with the Excel spreadsheet because uh, Jim and I love the 20th century. So, um, that being said, sir, um, it is time to reveal the predictions we had for this coming race. Yes. And uh, not many people know this, but we did do a podcast. We did an 86B podcast. I'm not sure it quite made it to the feed or I'm out not, to the public. Yeah, I mean, it sh- it, I was certainly disappointed with the number of people that downloaded it. That's yeah. for sure. But in that, that was basically a predictions podcast. That's mm-hmm. basically what the purpose of it and was. And it was well before this weekend. Well, well before yeah. Sunday evening. Um, and both, I know I clearly stated who was going to both be on pole and win the race. And, well, I mean, uh, it was obvious, yeah, for the prediction. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, why don't you tell everybody who you predicted? Okay, well, I actually thought it was going to be, and this sounds a little crazy now, but Sebastian Vettel really? would yeah. actually be on pole position. Yeah, did you? And that he would go on to win the race. Which really? Which turns out to be t- totally accurate. And what's crazy is I think you had the same thing. Yeah, I actually did. You know, I said to myself, you know what, Jim, despite your vote, I'm actually going to vote for the same thing. I do believe that Sebastian Vettel is going to be on pole and win the race. So... Um, we both scored perfect points. Now, we thought, sweet, we're ahead of the game. No one's going to nail us, but there is a one tiny little problem with this, is the way the statistical model goes from year to year, uh, it says, okay, whoever won the championship, the Drivers' Championship of 2010, is going to be on pole and win the race for the first race ah, of 2011, which just happens to be Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, oh. and that is a shame. However, we do have a fan prediction as well, and that was... Mr. James Payne, and he predicted to be on pole, Sebastian, Sebastian Vettel, <laughs> and he was correct. But um, unfortunately, being Australian and being legally bided to, um, bound to, uh, he picked uh, Weber to win the race. He was wrong. Weber was fifth. Hence, uh, on behalf of the fans, James Payne has scored four points versus everybody else's zero, um, starting the 
fans off at a de- deficit. However, um, so we owe our fans some cokes. No, they no, owe us they, cokes. they owe us four yeah. cokes. That's just the simple that's, truth. That's right. However, next race is Malaysia. We are now on the air, feeding the whole thing. Yes. Out to the public, two weeks in advance. Who's it going to be? So the obvious thing is to say it's going to be Sebastian Vettel again because he's just got the pace, and it's you know, it's almost foolish to uh, to predict against him, which yeah, is exactly yeah. what I'm going to do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I think I think Vettel will will take pole position. I think he will have some early season reliability issues. Ooh, predicting reliability issues. I like it. And that uh, and that Lewis Hamilton will will eventually. Oh, win the race. I, look I'm, at I'm that. I'm liking Hamilton, man. I you know. Except for that chin thing, man. That chin thing's got to go. Dude, well, it's not just a chin thing. Well, it's a side beard, chin, jaw, face thing. Well, I couldn't disagree with you more. Um, you like the chin thing. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> well, fair enough. I couldn't disagree with you more about Vettel. Oh. There's no way he's going to be on pole. Um, that's ridiculous. His car is not up to it. Uh, Mark Webber is going to be on pole, um, clearly. But Vettel will win the race. Oh, well, there you have it. Uh... I mean, truthfully, the only reason I didn't put Vettel on pole is because it seems like that would be boring. But it really does seem... You know what, though? Honestly, if we don't put Vettel on pole, the statistical model is going to put Vettel on pole, and the statistical model is going to be right, and we're going to have more... This whole season, isn't it? (laughs) Crap. uh, the, The problem is certainly so many things can happen, but there's not any real major updates coming. I I think, you know, even if Mercedes steps up, I mean, they're going to be fighting for second, right? I'm sorry. I'm putting Vettel Vettel. I, I got to do it. I, I, he was so good today. I can't see it being any other I way. I know. I can't either. It's, it's so, tough. All right. But you've got Vettel Hamilton. Good luck with that. Uh, and the statistical model, since Vettel was on pole and since Vettel win the, won the race, it's going to be the same way for the statistical model. Did you like my stammer? I did. That was great. For Malaysia. So that is it. Um, if you guys have fun predictions of your own, be bold. Predict now. Get on the Facebook page. Get on um, Well, once it's F- on there, it's not on there. I'm, I'm doing my predictions in the thing right now. and it's, Okay. Get, I, on, yes. get on the F1show.com. Do it. Predict. Let us know. Yeah, get on Neil Poppins' thing once it's um, up and running. That I think. will be at Facebook.com slash F1show once it's available. And I'm yes. working really hard on trying to find the right spot on Facebook to add that to our page. But Facebook is complicated, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Hey, this is a quick uh, post-recording update. Uh, I've added the predictions to the Facebook page. Uh, where you're going to find that is on the left-hand side. Underneath our profile picture, there's a couple of buttons there. One of them is predictions. Uh, it might not show up for you if you're using the HTTPS setting on Facebook. So you might just have to go to facebook.com slash F1show directly without the, the HTTP security, and it should show up for you there. Um, we've worked with Neil, all the, the developer on this. All of the security and stuff is fine for that. It's just kind of the way Facebook does uh, interacts with its applications, and hopefully we can fix that. But if it's not showing up for you, uh, then then you might just try going to Facebook without the HTTPS and uh, enter your predictions there. And uh, if it doesn't work for you, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're going to keep working on uh, making it better for you and and having all the predictions right there. It should be good. All right. Uh, we will be back. Uh, I, unfortunately, will not be in town for the Malaysian Grand Prix. Yeah. But we will at least have a show for you in China. We might have something for you in the meantime. Um, sorry, but that's the way that it works. What we're going to try to do, uh, you know, last year we at least started the year by doing shows on our own. It became very quick, very quickly apparent that uh, you guys preferred the two of us. So we are going to try to go for quality, not quantity. 
uh, this time around. But, you know, Jim has a pretty serious travel schedule ahead of him. So we got to respect that. Crazy, man. It's crazy. I'm going to be on British summertime, actually, at that point. So that'll be good. But uh, all right, but we'll be back in at least uh, a few weeks and we'll have an exciting, great show for you then. Until then, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya!